And we are live. This is the MMA UK Late Show. Uh, not very late today, but uh, we're, we're working to Michael's schedule because we have UFC champion, UFC Hall of Famer, commentator, analyst, podcaster, film star, Michael the Count Bisping. <laughs> wow, that's what you call an introduction. Thank you, Katie. Very, very <laughs> kind. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Can't complain. I do apologise. I've just literally finished uh, hitting the bag in the garage five minutes ago, so I'm covered in sweat. I'm a mess. We've got the crappy camera on the uh, the computer. But other than that, I am fantastic. Thank you. So we're here to talk about an evening with Michael Bisping, uh, Tales from the Octagon. I've already got my tickets. You're doing a UK tour, an island, Dublin, Manchester, London and Glasgow. That is right. Yeah, I can't wait. So this all came around a couple of years ago. I found myself in Toronto a lot. And this guy that I knew, a friend of a friend, kind of came up with the idea. He said, hey, while you're here, you know, there's a lot of MMA fans. You should uh, try and do, you know, like a one-man show type thing. So I said, yeah, all right. Sounds like a laugh. So we did it. And uh, I do a podcast. And my co-host, Luis J. Gomez, he's a very, very funny, hilarious stand-up comedian. So we kind of worked on it together. And we did it. And uh I didn't really take it serious at the time, but afterwards, everyone loved it. I had a great night as well, and it was we just had a proper laugh, you know what I mean? So I thought to myself, I've got to bring this to England. But obviously, you know, things happen, pandemic, yeah. all kinds of stuff. But uh, fortunately, with you've met Molly, Molly and her partner, Paul. We've uh, got some great organisers, some fantastic promoters. And now I'm very, very excited. I'm a little bit nervous, you know what I mean? I'm a little nervous, but uh, so far the response has been absolutely fantastic. So anyone that bought a ticket, truly thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, we're looking forward to having the Puerto Rican rattlesnake on the tour with you as well. And just from listening to the podcast, we know that you're going to have some cracking stories. Like, is there anything that you could sneak out and tell us now? Well, I can't do that now because otherwise that would ruin it. And also, a mate of mine told me, he used to be the PR agent for the UFC, and he told me a story involving Joe Rogan. He did an interview for a newspaper, and they asked him to, to give him some of the jokes that they could write down. And he said, well, I can't do that, because if you write them down, you're not going to deliver it properly. The context isn't going to be there. So unfortunately, Katie, good try, <laughs> but no cigar. Oh, that's a shame. Um, I've, I've had the the good fortune to meet your dad at a few UFC oh events in Vegas and in London. And he's definitely got some stories about you that he yeah. doesn't mind sharing. Will, will he be at any of these? Yeah, well, this is the thing I was going to say. If anyone comes to the show, if you've been to the UFC events, you'll normally find my dad and his best mate, Little Mick, who's, who's uh, you know, a short person, uh, propping up the bar and telling everybody my bloody live business. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. saying, what are you doing? You can't tell people stories like that at the bar. These people have bought tickets. But uh, no, my dad's a legend. He was at every single fight. And as I say, telling stories, embarrassing stories, private stuff. I'm like, Dad? I'm not going to swear on your show, but I'm like, you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping he's going to be at, at the UK tour as well. It would be brilliant to have him along. Well, bless him, he bought tickets. He, he was oh. on there at 10am when they went on. Him, Mick and his uh, his partner, they uh, they all bought tickets. And I messaged him. I said, Dad, what are you doing, you nutter? I said, I think I know someone that might be able to snag you a few. But uh, he said, ah, oh, no, son, I just want to support you. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, all right, fair enough. God bless him. I think that's really cool. <laughs> really cool that he did that. 
I'm also hoping that. But when we had the book launch as well, uh, we did a signing at the Trafford Centre in Manchester, a big ball there, shopping centre. Sorry, been in the States too long. <laughs> and um, the turnout was massive. It was crazy. I'm not bragging, but I was. everyone was blown away. Like The line was just insane. It was hours long. And anyway, my mate that's with me says, Michael, your dad's outside in the line. I'm like, what? And then I walk out, and he's in the middle of this huge line, him and little Mick, and they're standing there. And I go out, I said, Dad, what are you doing? I said, you know, you can come in. You don't have to wait in line. I said, oh, no, son. Because, again, he's loving it because he's the star of attraction because he's my dad. And he's loving the – he's just buzzing off everybody, telling stories, telling secrets. But, yeah, there you go. That's my dad. He is a celebrity himself. And I love – I love there's no sense of entitlement there. He'll pay for his ticket. Like, I love it. What a legend. <laughs> my mum doesn't know. She's, she's already asked for a few. <laughs> I said to my dad, I'll give you the money back, dad. Don't worry about it. I'm also hoping that we're going to hear a few stories from the book because uh, we did get the audio book, but it wasn't you on the audio book, was it, Mike? I know you've had grief from this before. <laughs> it, it wasn't me on the audio book. I apologise. I remember I was trying to record the audio book. All I've got to do is put the recorder on on the computer. I use garage band and read the book. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, don't worry, I can do this. So I was I was commentating in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I thought, right, I've got an afternoon free. I'm going to bang out a couple of chapters. Oh, my God, the stress. Because I start doing it, and I'm tripping over my words. Right, start again. And then I start getting somewhere, and then there's a knock at the door. I'm like, for fuck's sake. You know, and then and then I restart it again, and then the phone rings. You know, And then then, then the people banging on the door, because obviously for an audio book, they want the recording perfect. So I tried for about an hour, and in the end, I was like, get <laughs> it. I said, listen, you're going to have to get someone to do it, because I'm useless. Well, the story that always sticks in my mind, and lucky for me, you told this one in the podcast as well, but it was the one about Bruno. And oh. <laughs> just even now, I'll be like in a boring meeting or something or in the shower and I'll be thinking, but I wonder who Bruno was. <laughs> that that could have gone so was. differently. <laughs> I don't know who Bruno was. Bruno's dead now. And whenever I say that, they, people go, ooh, I'm like, nothing to do with me. The guy is just <laughs> Okay, I'm not that guy. But uh, yeah, for those that don't know, I think I was 17 or 18, I had a guy come to my house with uh, a Ku Klux Klan hood on, boots and a uh, uh, canister of petrol, tried to burn me alive and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's quite the tale. It is quite the tale. And we might never have had our UK UFC champion if, if he just succeeded that night. So lucky you managed to scare him off. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, you're right. Exactly. And so more from your retirement, you're now on the UFC commentary team, like a, a brilliant addition to that, I think. You talk so much sense. Uh, talk about the judging criteria, which is a pet peeve of mine when people ignore that. And it's obviously like a really sought-after job from, from everyone, I reckon. 90% of the fighters who finish in the UFC must want to end up uh, on the commentary or the analysis desk or, or what have you. But is it hard to be that close to the action when you've retired? Do you not still get tempted? No, you know, people ask me that a lot. And uh, because of the commentary, I don't miss it at all because I'm still involved with the sport. I still get to be up close and personal with it. I'm, you know, I get to interview the fighters. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm commentating the show. And in my opinion, the UFC is like the, the hottest, most successful sports franchise on the on the planet. It really is. And to be a commentator for it is something I'm extremely proud of. And I, I truly love my job. I do. I love it. I mean, there's a lot of work goes into it. Like right yeah. now, I'm 
playing at the weekend and you've got to know every one of these fighters like the back of your hand. You know what I mean? And there's there's over 500 people now. So, you know, there's a lot of research goes into it. And being a knucklehead, I was never that good at homework at school. I know that's going to shock you. But, uh, <laughs> but you got to do it. Otherwise, the producers get on my case. But, um, yeah, no, I, I truly love it. And it's it's amazing to uh, to think where I've ended up, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very I'm – I'm a happy man. Would you ever remove yourself from the commentary? Like, is there anyone you wouldn't commentate on? The way Paul Felder kind of takes himself away if it's a teammate or something. Yeah, well, he's he's commentated uh, his teammates, but there was one time he had to uh, corner one of his teammates. But, uh, yeah. but no, no, there isn't. There has been a few times where I've commentated people and, uh, you know, we've had a bit of history, shall we say. And I'm like, oh, God, when they win the fight, are they going to start talking shit? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and it's happened once or twice. Like, I remember Sean Strickland. I know Sean, and uh, he's fighting this weekend, actually. Good guy, whatever. But uh, we've, uh, you know, we're okay. We're fine. But, you know, on the microphone, he starts going on about 1776 and the War of Independence or whatever it's called. And I'm like, mate, listen, and you'll know this, Katie. Does anyone in England give a shit about that? <laughs> Oh, I'm like, mate, get over it because we don't even fucking think about it, mate. <laughs> well, my next question was going to be, would you ever stop commentating to corner anyone? Absolutely, I would, yeah. I, I, I'd love to. Um, I do want to train fighters one day. Um, mm. the, the time's not right, though. Uh, right now, I'm still, like, for want of a better description, doing me, still chasing my goals and trying to, you know, yeah. still, trying to still trying to get ahead in life like everybody else so uh but when the time's right and i've got time to commit to it i will train fighters um but it's a selfless task you know you've got to be 100 in right now yeah. i just don't have time to it wouldn't be fair on the fighters you know what i mean i'd be like a part-time yeah. coach so uh but yeah when that day comes when it, when i'm old and i'm fat and i'm skinned well i'm already old and i'm already fat and i'm pretty much skinned as well so i should be doing it now but uh <laughs> yeah that day will come I was thinking now you and Luke Rockhold are on good terms. You could jump in his corner with Perillo and like corner him for his next one. Wouldn't that be something? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I see Luke down at the gym a fair bit now and he's all right. You know what I mean? When you meet people, when you're going to fight them, you know what I mean? It's a different scenario. If you met them in any other environment, maybe we'd get along. You know, but uh, if you're going to fight, I doubt it. Yeah, no, I doubt it as well. I'm lying. I'm like, I'm giving the P answer. He's a tit. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> He's all right. He's all right. I'm kidding. Before we get back to the tour, I just wanted to talk about the journeyman as well, the, the film yeah. that you're doing this year. Um, initially, I thought it was going to be like a remake of the film that made you want to retire um, yeah. because. You made me watch that on a plane. I was like, this thing says this is a film that made him retire, so I'm going to watch it. That was a bad idea. I bawled the whole way yeah, through. I was bawling my eyes out on the plane. I swear to God. And, you know, it, it is a sad story, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Paddy Considine does a fantastic job. And, yeah, I watched that, and then I thought, man, what am I doing? I've got one eye, you know, and, and my other eye's having issues, and I'm still planning on getting in there. I'm like, nah, that's it. Because I remember a mate of mine said, because I was, I was supposed to fight uh, in London against Richard Evans. And yeah. the reason I wanted to do that is because the UK fans or supporters, whatever you want to say, always, from day one, always had my back. And I'll never forget that. And I thought, I want to end my career in England. You know what I mean? I want to thank the yeah. crowd. 
you romanticize it in your head and you think you're going to have this big moment. You're going to put your gloves down in the octagon and get a standing ovation or whatever. But that's probably just my ego taking over. People wouldn't give a shit. They'd be like, okay, all right, get out of here, you one-eyed prick. But, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, so yes, my mate said to me, he said, Michael, what are you doing? He said, if you, he said, why are you taking the fight? I said, well, you know, told me reasons. He said, yeah. He said, but if you went blind, you'd give every penny you have to get your vision back, wouldn't you? Yeah. I said, well, yeah, of course I would. He said, so what are you doing? And I thought, yeah, you know what, you're right. Uh, but no, The Journeyman. The Journeyman is, uh, it's a movie about a boxer that developed CTE, so he's got brain damage. And, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, heavily dependent on substances. You know, he's an alcoholic, he's a drug taker, user, recreational, you know, and uh, he's a journeyman boxer, you know, and they are a real, th a real thing. There's a book called The Journeyman by Mark Turley. And it's, it's you know, th th these boxers, they're good boxers. They had potential. But their role in boxing now is basically to, you know, the prospects to build the name off. And they go out there, they're going to yeah. make a good, give them a good fight, but not necessarily win, you know. And this is a, an area of boxing that doesn't get spoke about very much. And uh, I was very flattered. They came to me and offered me the lead role. And the script is just, it's amazing. Honestly, I, I cried reading the script. It's sad. It's funny. Uh, and, and the way it ends is, is just brilliant. And uh, we're actually giving a portion of the proceeds to a foundation that helps boxers with brain injuries and things like that. And we're looking to bring on a lot of UK boxers and fighters and things like that. So uh, you never know. Might have some familiar faces in there as well. Oh, that's incredible. I can't wait for that to come out. Yeah, well, we're going to make it first. <laughs> hopefully, Filming film, later this year, right? Hopefully, hopefully. Of course, it, you know, it's an independent film, so we're still raising the money, but we're doing good. You know, we've got a fair bit there. Still going to find some more, but uh, the plan is to shoot in Manchester uh, sometime this autumn, or fall, as they say out here. <laughs> and going back to your retirement fight, just really quickly, on behalf of all the fans that I went to watch you in London many times, as much as we would have loved to see that fight, your health is way more important to us. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you that standard ovation anytime, ah. Mike. But <laughs> Thank you, Katie. I really appreciate that. But as I say, I'm not just saying it to say the right thing, the, the PC thing or whatever's going to keep everyone happy. But if you saw me fight every time in England, I always thank them because, you know, I'm just a lad from Clitheroe. You know, I left school at 16 and, and thought I was going nowhere. And, Fortunately, with a bit of luck, I managed to turn it all around. So uh, I'm, I'm forever, forever grateful of, uh, you know, how my life turned out, to be honest. And that wouldn't happen if it wasn't for everyone in the UK supporting me. So, you know, I never forget that. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's the truth. No, it's, it's, um, it's an amazing story. You have just got the most amazing story. And I think they will make a film about your your life and your career one day. And uh I'll be happy to watch that. But I think for the American fans, they probably first came to be aware of you on Tough and, and followed you on that journey. And that was back when Tough was really in its heyday and just had so many people watching. And I loved it back then. You got so, you really got to know people. And knowing, knowing you a bit more now, I'm so surprised how well you kept a lid on it in there. <laughs> Well, you know, the thing was, the ultimate fighter, I mean, it was great for me. It was fantastic for my career. But I was there to win and do a job yeah. and try to set myself up as a fighter. And there was other people there for that. But there was a lot of people there just to, uh, you know, uh, get get a little bit of fame, the 15 minutes of fame or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, no, that was, it was a lot of fun. Feels like a lifetime ago now. And then 
I watch some clips back and I get shit for this all the time about my accent now. But when I hear my accent back on the Ultimate Fighter, I'm like, oh my God. I mean, obviously I've got older, so my voice has got a little deeper, but I don't talk quite like this anymore. <laughs> and I get shit for having an American accent. It's like, listen, I live in America. And they don't, trust me, they never understood a word I would say. So you just got to learn to change it a little bit. But when I get yeah. five minutes uh, back in the country, I'm talking, talking like a knobhead again. I do business trips to the States, and when I ask for water, they haven't got a clue. <laughs> water. And they're like, what? Water? What? I'm like, oh, my. You've got to say, water. 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 <laughs> no, it's not with a D, the T, W-A-T-E-R. Yeah, I, I, I tried to get a coffee one day. I'll say, can I get a coffee? They're like, what? I say, coffee? What? I'm like, oh, my God. And now I'm losing my mind. My manager was laughing his head off. He's American. I'm going, coffee. I said, I know I've got an accent, but it's two syllables, coffee. And they're like, oh, you mean coffee? I said, yeah, coffee. And they're like, what flavor? I'm like, what do you mean what flavor? Coffee flavored. And they said, we don't have coffee flavored coffee. I'm like, whoa, don't tell me that you haven't got coffee flavored coffee. You must have. And they went, no, we got vanilla, caramel, or strawberry. I'm like, oh my God, I just want a regular coffee. She goes, oh, you mean original. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a twang because you don't want to have challenges like that on a daily basis. I don't even think coffee and coffee sounds that, that different. <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly, but yeah, there you go. So then from the Ultimate Fighter, we followed you on this crazy journey up and down, 20, mostly ups, but like 25 fights in, until you got that gold, including... That amazing fight in London, beating Anderson Silva, the, the last one before you got your shot. Just, I mean, we literally experienced every emotion with you, I think. Was there any point where you didn't think you were going to get your hands on that UFC gold? Do you know what? It's mental because uh, not that I sit around watching my old fights because I don't. But now and again, you know, you're flicking through the TV and maybe they're having, you know, a, a rehash or whatever. And I see one and I saw one recently and I was watching it. And this is after my eye injury. So I was lying to everybody about the eye, how, mm. how serious it was. And then when I won the fight, I'm getting on the microphone saying, listen, I will be the champion one day and blah, 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 blah. And I turned around, I looked at my wife and I just kind of laughed. I said, Jesus, the, the ball's on this guy. Do you know what I mean? Because that guy's dead now. You know what I mean? He doesn't exist anymore. Or maybe he does a little bit. Get a few beers in me. But um, <laughs> I was like, how was I so cocksure and so confident? You know what I mean? And at the time, to answer your question, no, it, it never... It never crossed my mind, you know, and obviously I lost vision in one eye and that made things a hell of a lot harder. But looking back, I mean, yeah, okay, I wish I had two eyes. I mean, this is a fake piece, but but no regrets, no regrets. And, you know, I guess it made the story a little bit more better in the end. And funnily enough, there is some talks of a movie actually there coming up in the works. I'm actually working with the producer right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was always my dream. You know, I wanted to represent England, wanted to give my family the best, best life possible and they go kind of hand in hand you know if you want to be successful as a fighter you've got to be the champ you know it doesn't get any better yeah. so that's where that motivation always came from well it was absolutely incredible is one of my no it was the for me just the highlight in sporting history like to see uh -huh. you get your hands on on that belt the, the way that you won just even the story about that fight you know just just <laughs> basically coming off the subs bench at short yeah, notice yeah. to take it and 
just not putting in the training that you'd put into every other fight and just that moment so 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 special so I just want to say we're all so proud of you you hear Mike um I want to know who you think will be the next champ from the UK Ooh. well first of all thank you for those kind words really really appreciate it Katie and, and you know and I felt the love as well so so thank you everybody uh next UK champ well um I think it's going to be Leon Edwards I think Le I mean he's the first you. champ to, to live in the UK and be the champ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah, everyone does that. All these fighters from England, they talk shit. They're like, oh, well, I'm going to stay in England. I'm like, all right, fair enough. You know what I mean? But I did a good portion in Clitheroe. If you've ever been to Clitheroe, <laughs> you want to get out of it. Lovely little place, by the way. Miss everyone in Clitheroe. But uh, there's a big world out there. You know what I mean? And then... <laughs> And I'll be honest, since I've come out to America, there's a lot of opportunity because mixed martial arts is a bigger sport, you know what I mean? So, whatever. Uh, next champ, possibly Leon Edwards. I think he's in the best position right now, but as I say... Arnold Allen's got to be up there. Oh, oh, my God, Arnold Allen, of course. Yeah, how did I forget him? What's he on now? Like an eight or nine fight win streak? Yeah. And he's every single time. I think Darren Till will have a potential to be champion. I think he's only 26 or 27. He's lost yeah. a few. They were razor close fights against Robert Whittaker, and you know, you know, all, uh, you know. So he's he's Darren Till's right there. Leon Edwards is right there, and Arnold Arnold Allen. They're the three that I would say. Uh, but yeah, yeah, there you go. Amazing, Mike. I'll give you a name. I give you three. I love it. I love it. I could go on asking you questions all day, but uh, I know you've got to run off to another interview. So I just wanted to say to everyone. Tickets are available on myticket.co.uk? I believe so. <laughs> if I don't know, we're screwed. Yeah, I believe it's myticket.co.uk and just search my name in there on the search bar or something. I've got my VIP tickets already. I'm hoping, Mike, you're going to do an after party. I was at your uh, Okiyama after party at the O2, oh, yeah. so I thought we could have it back in that bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of places. Certainly in Manchester, there's a bar that I know that, uh, you know, old 700 people, and they want to put something on there. I got an offer in Glasgow to DJ somewhere afterwards. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. But uh, but uh, we'll, we'll figure something out, Katie. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll enjoy ourselves. We'll have a few drinks. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honour. And thank you so much for your time. Anytime, Katie. Let's do this again. Pleasure talking with you. Really enjoyed it. And the show's in October, I should have said. Various dates in October. Dublin, Glasgow, London and uh, Manchester. Check it out, everyone. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Katie. Appreciate it.